thank you that uh, you are good and that we get to speak about you. We get to proclaim you. Um, and that what we proclaim is beautiful, it's wonderful, it's true, it's you. And so we ask that our proclamation would be worship. We ask that you would help us now to preach. This is the bell choir at the First Presbyterian Church in Littleton, Colorado in 1975. This is me in the lower right-hand corner. I rang the big bells. I had the big bells. And uh, my four best friends in the world were part of the bell choir. They called us the Four Amigos. This is Bobby Vandekoppel up in the back row, Tudor Coleman over here on the left, and Matt Taylor, the son of my father's associate pastor. My dad was a pastor. Son of my father's associate pastor there in the middle. We were all part of a life group or a small group that uh, met every other week or once a month, something like that. Well, about 40 years ago in, in the winter, one night, uh, they all met at my house. Behind my house was an irrigation ditch. On the other side of the irrigation ditch were some railroad tracks. On the other side of the railroad tracks was Santa Fe Boulevard. Before dinner, one of the four amigos, might have been me, said, hey, let's go down to the tracks. And once down at the tracks, another one of the amigos said, hey, let's throw snowballs at cars. That made me a bit nervous and yet strangely exhilarated. The powers that be told me that I wasn't supposed to throw snowballs at cars. Uh, but uh, in 1975, in eighth grade, 13 years old, uh, the thought of uh, my judgment overriding my parents' judgment was kind of intoxicating. And so I chose to be a man, or what we considered to be a man, a, self, a self-made man, and it was fun. It was like a giant arcade game, just that the targets were moving at like, you know, 60 miles an hour, and you didn't have to put a quarter in, in a machine. And then Matt, the shortest of the Migo, that now I see uh, was the one most intent on proving his manhood, uh, Matt said, hey guys, let's put rocks in our snowballs. And then I remember this crack, a loud crack, and then it hit me. What we were doing was really, really bad. I mean, really bad, like somebody could die bad. This big car just like screeched to the side of the road and stopped. And uh, when it did, we just hightailed it back up to the house, admonishing one another to stay cool. But I couldn't stay cool. I couldn't stay cool because I had this overwhelming sense of impending judgment. My mom was about to serve dinner. Our parents were in the living room fellowshipping, talking about the love of Jesus. Everybody was happy, but I wasn't happy. I couldn't rest. I kept thinking about their judgments and my judgment. And most of all, my dad's judgment. I couldn't look my dad in the face. Terrified of impending judgment, I began to frantically judge. I mean, I began to frantically judge myself. I began to justify myself. To this day, I don't know whether or not there were any rocks in any of my snowballs, and yet I frantically tried to remember in the hope that I could defend myself against any accuser that might show up accusing me, whoever that might be, the accuser. I judged myself, and I began to judge my friends. It wasn't my idea to put rocks in the snowballs. It was Matt's idea. 
Matt's bad. I condemned him. I condemned Matt. And yet I had joined Matt. And so terrified of being condemned, I began to condemn myself. As if I could pay for my crimes by feeling really, really, really bad. As, as, as if I could justify myself with guilt and shame. So if someone said, hey, were you throwing snowballs at cars? I could say, well, yeah, but it wasn't my idea. It wasn't my idea to put rocks in the snowballs. And, 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 and I feel really, 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 I feel really, really, really bad that Matt did that. I couldn't look at my dad. Couldn't look at anyone. I mean, I did, but I didn't. I, I didn't see him. I couldn't let them see me. I mean, my friends couldn't see that I was losing my cool. And the life group couldn't see that I was a criminal. I didn't want them to see. I had to act and posture, and that just takes a whole lot of energy. I was so terrified of impending judgment that I couldn't concentrate on anything but me. And I could not taste the spaghetti. My mom had made, like, my favorite dinner. Spaghetti, meatballs, garlic bread, all the kids. And my friends were at the kids' table. My sisters all in, in the kitchen in the middle of the house. We were, we were seated. Everyone's laughing and talking. It was a banquet, and I couldn't taste the spaghetti. I kept thinking about what had happened. The, the more I tried to forget what had happened, the more I remembered what happened. The, the more I tried to justify myself to prepare my defense for any possible accuser in the future, the, the more I tried to justify myself, the more I felt condemned. I, I kept thinking about the past, and I kept worrying about the future, and I couldn't taste the spaghetti now. I couldn't live now. And you know, now is when we live. So if you never live now, you will have never lived. And, and, and what you call your life isn't a real life, it's only an illusion. Terrified of judgment, I could no longer live. Imagine if you lived your entire life like that. I mean, you might constantly be surrounded by heaven, but you couldn't experience heaven. You couldn't taste the banquet. Imagine if you lived your entire life like that, and maybe we do. On Palm Sunday, Jesus rode into Jerusalem and talked about the judgment of this world. I googled the judgment of this world images, and, and this is what I found. Pages of stuff like this. Um, nuclear, nuclear war. And um, aliens. Aliens blowing up the, the White House. Uh, the, the end. The, the, the end. Is, is, that, is, that, is that the end? And uh, the hand of God. I love this one. I love the caption. Pick me. Pick me. You know, a judgment, a judgment is a choice. And, and I guess this guy made the wrong choice, and so he wasn't God's choice. This slide was labeled Judgment Day Terror. 
Well, anyway, I'm just pointing out that maybe we constantly live in fear and terror of impending judgment. And most people perhaps have will never really even tasted the spaghetti. We live in fear of all sorts of judgments, right? But I think if you followed them to the core, they're ultimately all one fear, fear of God's judgment, God's final judgment. Ultimately, we're all afraid of God's judgment. And in that way, we find ourselves imprisoned to the accuser. And in that prison, we constantly work to justify ourselves. And so we are constantly tempted to accuse our friends and feel constantly obligated to be miserable. Afraid of judgment, we judge ourselves, hoping to defend ourselves against final judgment. Make sense? When I was a youth pastor back in the 1980s, we used to have wedgie wars. The object was to grab another guy's underwear from, from behind, the strap, and then just rip it, rip it right up over their head and off of their body. I should probably be in prison. Well, anyway, one night I was driving my guy's Bible study somewhere in the church van when a wedgie war broke out. And so, of course, I stopped the van and joined in. There are no winners in a wedgie war. And, and most of the guys I remember had had their underwear uh, ripped off at this point, ripped off right over their head when Brendan Bluestein, Brendan Bluestein is a ninth grader. Brendan looked around and he, he realized that he had participated in the wedgie war, but he was still wearing an intact uh, pair of underwear. I remember this panic that all of a sudden went across uh, Brendan's face as, as he realized that he had participated in the wedgie war and he had an intact pair of underwear and now he realized that there would be, that there was coming for him judgment. There was impending judgment. And he just reached down, grabbed the front of his underwear, screamed, and then just pulled it right up over the top of his head, ripped it off his body, and threw it in the corner. Do you, do you see what he did? He judged himself so he wouldn't be judged. He condemned himself so he wouldn't be condemned. He punished himself so he wouldn't be punished. And you see, I think some people think that's what church is. A place to judge ourselves and thereby protect ourselves from final judgment. So, so why do we condemn ourselves? What I mean by that is, why do we find guilt so attractive? Because we hate guilt. And yet we love guilt. It's like we're addicted to guilt. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote, guilt is an idol. Well, if we think that we can justify ourselves with a bunch of guilt, that guilt justifies us, well, then guilt is an idol. Why do we judge ourselves and, and condemn ourselves? You know, a lot of times when, I, when I'm just beating up on myself, I get this picture of Brennan Bluestein in my head. I think it's like a message from from God or something. Well, I'm not saying that we don't need judgment. Scripture teaches that even our good works are like soiled rags, like torn pieces of underwear ripped off of our bodies. Kierkegaard wrote this, before God I am always 
in the wrong. It's not that I don't need judgment. It's just that maybe I am not a very good judge of me. I judge myself with myself, and it's myself that needs judgment. And so why are we so attracted to shame, right? Because we kind of are. Why do people cut themselves? Why do people kill themselves? Maybe we can be so afraid of death that we're tempted to kill ourselves <laughs> so we won't be killed. Maybe we get so terrified of judgment, we judge ourselves hoping that we won't get judged. But then we need to judge our bad judgments, ashamed that we're so ashamed. Depressed that we're just so freaking depressed. Incredibly insecure that we're so insecure, so very anxious about our own anxiety. And on top of everything else, we can no longer taste the spaghetti. I'm not sure that I've changed very much since junior high. Philosopher Max Picard wrote this, a man lives and living he flees. To live and to flee are one. That is, we think life is fearing God's judgment. This world runs on the fear of judgment. I mean, without fear of judgment, we think that we won't run. We think our churches won't run. We think that no one will be saved. We think if people don't fear God's judgment, well, then how could they be saved from God's judgment? Right? Well, I think we all run from God's judgment. And of course, I'm talking about things far more condemning than wedgie wars and throwing snowballs at cars. I'm talking about this deep fear that we can barely articulate. Like, I'm afraid I don't even love love. And the commandment is love. God is love, and I can't make myself love. So you see, we all deserve judgment. And so we all live in fear of impending judgment. And so none of us can truly taste the spaghetti. And so none of us are truly grateful. I wonder if there's a world. I mean, what if there is a world? What if there's a world that runs entirely on gratitude instead of fear? Well, that would be a pretty wonderful world. Well, anyway, John 12, Palm Sunday, Jesus rides into Jerusalem on, on a donkey. Now, now, we could spend a year exegeting John 12 and still just scratch the surface. So let me just point out what Jesus points out in Luke chapter 18, that everything that was written about the Son of Man in the prophets is being fulfilled. Malachi, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Zephaniah. Here John quotes Zechariah about the king coming on a donkey across the, the Mount of Olives. In a few paragraphs, he's going to quote Isaiah. Just about all of Isaiah in some form seems to prophesy the day of the Lord's coming to 
to Jerusalem. Reading it just makes your head spin. It's a day of vengeance, and yet it's also a day of salvation. The day God's glory will be revealed, and all flesh will see it together. Isaiah 66 describes the Lord coming to Jerusalem with absolute judgment. The corpses of all sinners are destroyed in the valley of Gehenna by eternal consuming fire and eaten by a worm that will not die. And then all people, Isaiah 66, 23, all people worship. That means all people are sincerely grateful for the judgment of this world. And now this is a fascinating thing. But when God first starts talking about judgment in Exodus, you know what he says to Israel? He doesn't say that he's going to save them from judgment. He says that he's going to save them with judgment. John 12, Jesus rides into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. It's like everything you've ever seen in every scary end times movie is about to come true. The world is about to do battle with God and be judged. I mean, we're talking Armageddon stuff here. The world has gone after him. The world is about to crucify him. The irony is so thick in John 12 that you could just cut it with a knife. John 12, what Kathleen read earlier, next verse, 19. Look, the world has gone after him. Now, among those who went up to worship at the feast were some Greeks. That's the nations, the world. So these came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and asked him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew, and Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus said to them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me. And where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Now, now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. And so listen, all you people imprisoned by the accuser, driven by shame, hiding alone in outer darkness, unable to eat your spaghetti and taste your spaghetti. Listen, all you people, judging yourself, judging everyone. Listen, living, those living in, in fear of impending judgment of this world. Nearly 2,000 years ago today, Jesus said, now is the judgment of this world. The judgment, singular, the judgment of of. This world now. Verse 31. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out, and I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So the crowd answered him, We have heard from the law that the Christ remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who's the Son of Man? So Jesus said to them, The light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light, lest darkness overtake you. The one who walks in the darkness does not know where he is going. While you have the light, believe in the light, that you may become sons of light. Light. In John 3, Jesus said, this is the judgment. 
the judgment, one judgment, this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And remember Jesus said, I am the light of the world. John 1, 4, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Here's a fascinating thing about light. Did you know this? That um, a photon, every photon of light, according to physicists, is eternal. There is no passage of time for a photon of light. In other words, there is no end and no beginning, as if a photon of light is the end and is the beginning. Every photon of light exists in like this eternal now. Every, everything, every time is present to that photon of light in an eternal now. Crazy stuff. And Jesus said, now is the judgment of this world. Just crazy. So, so what is judgment? Now, I think we, we kind of make it really, really complicated in the church. And on one level, it's just very simple. A judgment is a decision. <laughs> You do it all day long, make judgments. You, you make choices, you make decisions. Judgment is crema or crisis in Greek. Catacrema or catacresis is judgment against, a decision against, that is condemnation. Judgment and condemnation are not the same thing. In John 5, Jesus talks about a resurrection of life and a resurrection of judgment. Not condemnation, but judgment. Read John carefully, and you'll see if you believe you've already been judged, if you believe you've already been judged, you don't need to be judged. You've already passed from death to life, eternal life. But you see, in this life or the next, we must be judged. At some point, we must stand before the judgment seat of Christ, and he is the light, and he says, now is the judgment of this world. Now, the judgment as if there's only one judgment, one decision, one will, one choice that matters. Remember that in the beginning, God made a judgment, right? He made a decision. And then in the beginning, God issued a command. He spoke a word that is a command. He said, let us make, that's the judgment. And then he said, let there be, that's the command. Let there be and Everything happened. Matter happened. Everything that matters happened. Creation happened. Julian of Norwich, the medieval mystic, she writes that in her famous vision, she saw that God, quote, does all that is done. That is that there is no doer but God. And that God doesn't sin, and so sin is really nothing. And, you know, we're, we're like full of sin. So we must think that our nothing is really something. Sin is a false, meaningless, and empty judgment. My, my false self, it's my false self. My false self thinks that that is who I am. So, you know, we say that we have free will, right? We say we have free will, free choice. That is, we have a free judgment. But in a universe, there can only be one will, one choice, and one judgment that's entirely free. In other words, one judgment that's not determined by other judgments. And one judgment that, that determines what will actually be what matters. I'm saying that God has free will. 
and you don't. Unless your will is God's will. And God's will is your will. One will, one choice, one judgment. I think we call that love. Well, now, if you didn't follow that philosophical on-ramp, that's okay. Don't worry. Just believe Jesus. He said the judgment. Now is the judgment of this world. The judgment. This is the judgment. The light has come into the world. Already in John, Jesus has said this. Check this out, okay? Follow this. The Father judges no one. He said that. I judge no one. (laughs) For judgment, I came into this world. It's like the judgment of not judging. The, The judgment of grace. And Jesus is that judgment. Just the revelation of him is the judgment of God, the one judgment. So every judgment, you know, in the Old Testament by the prophets, uh, the judgment of the sheep and the ghosts that Jesus talks about, the great white throne judgment, all, they're all one judgment. All judgment scenes in Scripture are, dis, are, are, are descriptions. They're descriptions of what happens when people are fully exposed to him who is light to him who is the command of the creator, to him who is the word of God that creates all things. Next verse. And Jesus cried out and said, whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me. And whoever sees me sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I don't judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on the last day. The last day is judgment day. And Jesus just said, now is the judgment of this world. So I need to remind you of what we've been talking about in recent sermons. Remember when we talked about flatland? That uh, we're like one-dimensional beings that exist on this one-dimensional line in flatland. We exist in time. And yet God, with his word, created time. And Jesus, who is his word, is the beginning and the end of time. He's the light. And the light is eternal judgment. So imagine I'm Jesus, and I say, behold, I come. And then, and then I come to Flatland. What just happened? Well, what just happened is now is the judgment. At every point on that line in Flatland, at every point, the same judgment now is uh, the judgment. So judgment is at hand, just like the kingdom of God is at hand, just like Jesus is at hand, just like eternity is at hand with with every point on in every point on time judgment in fact it's like judgment creates every point on the line and maybe fills every point on the line eternity is at hand and philosophers and theologians say this now is the point that eternity touches time now is the point where freedom and actuality are both offered us Now is the point where we can make a choice. Or should I say, a point where God's choice makes makes us. Now is where I'm free. Now is where I live. Now is where I love. I am 
I am now. I mean, now is where I, right? It's, it's, uh, the, the past is, is gone. The future's a speculation, at least for me. Now is where I am. Now is the judgment of this world, said Jesus. So maybe the judgment is now. And never, ever, ever changes. But that week, 2,000 years ago, God revealed just what or who that judgment is. So that having seen God's judgment, we might trust God's judgment and surrender to God's judgment every now. That is, all the time. Now is the judgment of this world. And I think it's thoroughly significant that Jesus said that on Palm Sunday and referred to Friday. Sunday is the first day of a seven-day week. The first day, light enters the void. The first day, Jesus enters Jerusalem, and we are Jerusalem. On Friday, the sixth day, we judge God's judgment, and God's judgment judges us. We judge the light and take his life on the tree. He judges us and gives us his life on the tree in the garden. He cries, it is finished, delivers up his spirit, that spirit that fills the temple, the new Jerusalem, which is us. The seventh day is rest. Jesus rises on the eighth day, Sunday, which is also the first day, end and beginning. For the Jews, the eighth day symbolized this like eternal seventh day. Did you see what I'm saying? What I'm saying is this. God creates all things, and God creates us with his judgment. And when we experience his judgment, something is created and something is destroyed. What gets destroyed? Old Jerusalem gets destroyed. And old Jerusalem is old us. Old Jerusalem is every judgment we make, everything we think we create in fear of the judgment of God. Old Jerusalem is self-righteousness. It is ultimately a lie and an illusion, and it is destroyed. Our false self, our old man, is destroyed in the crucified body of Jesus the Christ. There was a time in my life when I felt so much shame that I remember just every morning I woke up tempted to not just cut myself, but to just kill myself. And, and during that time, there was really only one place I found solace. And that was at the foot of that tree, staring at Jesus hanging on that tree. It was as if he said, look, Peter, something does need to be destroyed. That prideful old prison of a self that you think you are it needs to be condemned and destroyed. But look at me, Peter. You don't need to cut yourself. You don't need to kill yourself. I have already been cut off for you. I have already been destroyed for you. Don't fear this, for I have already done this, and it is finished. 
Kierkegaard wrote this. This is the whole quote. It's a consoling idea that before God, I am always in the wrong. I love that quote. <laughs> you see, I, I don't need to defend that old me. I just need to expose him to the light and then watch him die. <laughs> when we're judged, something is destroyed and something is created. Actually, it comes down from heaven. That's the new Jerusalem and that's the new you. That's God's gift that is you. So, so on the other side of judgment, I'm no longer proud as if I'm responsible for me and I'm no longer ashamed of me. I'm no longer imprisoned in me. I'm no longer worried about me. I'm no longer afraid for me. You know what I am? I'm grateful for me. <laughs> the new and eternal me. Gratitude is good judgment. A bad judgment in you is your old man. Just let him die. And a good judgment in you is your new man, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that you would walk in him. Don't be proud. Be grateful. We don't need to defend your old man. He's already judged and dead. And you don't need to worry about your new man. He's eternal and indestructible. You didn't make him. You just are him. God's gift to creation and to you and to himself. There's no more pride. Just freedom. Well, it's Jesus Christ, Father, forgive, and it is finished. We are saved. The judgment of God is salvation. Ken Davis used to tell about this girl that was in one of his programs who ran away from home, and be, a teenage girl, ran away from home, became a, a prostitute. One night she was lying in an alley, beaten near death when she finally decided to call her parents. He asked her what gave her the strength to finally call home, and she said this, I cheated and lied to my parents for two years before I ran away. Mom would try so hard to get through to me, but I treated her like dirt. Almost every day my mother would tell me that she loved me. She would say to me, there's nothing you can do to make me stop loving you. I never gave her the satisfaction of knowing that her words were getting through. After running away, I would hear those words in every quiet moment. After being beaten senseless by the man who wanted to be my pimp, I was lying in a filthy alley, ashamed and beyond hope, and my drugged and beaten brain could only handle one thought, only one judgment. There is nothing that you can do that would make me stop loving you. I picked up the phone and called my mom. I may have given up on myself, but there was hope that she had not given up on me. You see, her judgment was death, and her mother's judgment was life. The prostitutes refer to Jerusalem, or the, the prophets referred to Jerusalem as a prostitute, and her judgment was death. Uh, but Jesus is God's judgment, and he calls her what? His bride, his bride. And so I sat at the spaghetti banquet in absolute mis misery. I, I just, I could not rest. Terrified of judgment, I was judging myself, I was judging Matt, I was judging Bobby, I was judging Tudor, judging all my friends, accusing, condemning, justifying. I couldn't look at them, I could not look at my dad, I couldn't be present in the now, and I could not taste the spaghetti. I didn't need to be condemned. I already was condemned. And all at once there was a knock on the door. 
I remember my mom, who was at the service last night, she helped me remember some of the details in this. My, my mom, I think I blocked him out, but my mom, she, she went to the door, and I, I, and I could kind of see, oh, holy smokes, there's three policemen dressed in riot gear. I mean, they had masks and billy clubs and the whole thing. They said something to her, and then I just remember my mom, I could hear this, saying, oh, no, our boys would never do anything like that. And then they came in. They walked down the hallway right into the kitchen. They stood in front of the table where our sisters were, where everybody was, and they said, were you boys down at the railroad tracks throwing snowballs at cars? And Matt said, oh, no, sir, we would never do that. And then the officer said, well, how come we've all tracks from the scene of the crime up to the front steps of this house? And Tudor said, oh, 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 we went down there to watch the trains go by. We are just watching the trains. It's midwinter. You know, they come by every four hours or so. And then the officer says, well, you know what? We're going to go check the tracks again. And if they lead back up to this house and you don't confess right now, we're going to book you and we're going to take you into the station. And then I just went, we did it, we did it, we did it. Turns out we had cracked the windshield of a brand new Cadillac containing a device that none of us had really ever heard of before, uh, a car phone. Back in the 75, you just didn't have those in cars. The cops talked to us for a while, then they left, and our whole life group, our whole life group, including my little sisters and everybody's little sisters, they all held hands forming this circle in the living room, and then they all prayed for the four amigos. <laughs> I mean, it was totally painful just painful. But then I looked at my dad, and my dad looked at me, and I knew I was saved. I was no longer dead. I was alive. I'd have to pay for the windshield with money from my paper route, but I didn't have to pay for me. I had a great dad, and he used to give me this look like, there's nothing you can do that would make me stop loving you. And that's how he made me in his image, with his judgment. You know, I'm a dad now, and my kids have failed. I hate their failures, but I love the fact that they failed. For when they failed, I can forgive them. I can look them in the eye so that they know there's nothing you can do that will make me stop loving you. That's my judgment. And that's how I make them in my image. And I don't want them to pay for that. How could they ever pay for, for that? I, I want them to live. My judgment is live. Jesus finishes his Palm Sunday speech. For I have not spoken on my own authority, says Jesus, but the Father who sent me has himself given me a commandment what to say and what to speak, and I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. Do, do you get that? His commandment is eternal life. And so God made a decision. Let us make man in our own image. And then he spoke a word, and the word became flesh and entered into the void. Uh, God made the judgment, and God issued the command, the judgment of God is Jesus, and Jesus is the life, and Jesus means God is salvation. The judgment of God is eternal life. I think one of the dirtiest, darkest lies of the evil one is that we need to be saved from the judgment of God. 
when in fact the judgment of God is salvation. The judgment of God is eternal life. Or maybe the darkest lie of the devil is that our choice creates God's judgment, when in fact God's judgment creates our choice. God's judgment is eternal. He decided about you before the beginning of time. God's judgment is eternal, but he creates you in time. Eternity touches time now. And Jesus says, now is the judgment of this world. I think that means that, that this is the eternal judgment of God. Do you see it? What does it mean? There is nothing you can do to make me stop loving you. Nothing. So this, this, this is not the end. This may precede the end. Uh, the earth consumed with fire, but, but this, 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 this is the end. Jesus is the end. Jesus is the final judgment. He is God and he is now. He is I am that I am. So instead of existing like one of the walking dead, stuck in the past, worried about the future, instead of justifying yourself, which I do all the time, justifying yourself to prepare for final judgment, we'll just get judged now. The light is now. Live in the light now. In other words, do this. Find your fears. Ask yourself, what am I afraid of? Find your fears, because I think ultimately they have to do with final judgment. Find your fears and then just walk them into the light now. I mean, sometimes I just have to actually physically go for a walk and I just have to say something like this, Father, here I am now. Father, I just want to tell you what I am now, who I am now, how I feel now. Father, I, what I'm afraid of now. Father, I'm afraid I like wine too much. Thank you for wine. I think sometimes I drink too much wine, but I really don't know when. And I, I, Father, I just need to tell you. And Father, I'm, I, I like women. I really like women. And I love my wife. She's incredible. But Lord, I don't know sometimes the difference between admiration and lust, and I can't seem to quite sort it all out. I just need you to know that, okay? That's, that's the way I am. That's me right, right now. And, and Father, I, I, I want to serve you. I, I really want to serve you. But Father, I also really want to be famous, and I don't know how to sort those two things out and father I, I think I love you but sometimes I wonder if I even love love I don't know father I am a bad judge of me thank you for judging me and thank you that your judgment is good so here I am I am that I am. Here I am. And you know, after I walk in his presence for a time, it's like I can begin to taste the spaghetti. I mean, I begin to love because I have been loved. 
I begin to live. So Jesus said, now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I'm lifted up from the earth, will draw all people unto myself. And then the beginning of that Friday, the commandment of God, the word of God, the judgment of God took bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body given to you. Take and eat and do this in remembrance of me. And he took the cup and he said, this cup is the covenant in my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it, all of you, and do it in remembrance of me. And so we invite you, God calls you to come to this table, tear off a piece of bread, dip it in the cup. The dark cup is wine, the light cup is juice. And by coming to this table, you are saying, Lord God, I surrender my judgments to your judgment. So come to this table and get judged in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, mighty God of love, we welcome you in this place, this place that is your sanctuary, that is us, that is a tabernacle that you have called to walk out into this world as a, as a mobile home. Lord, we welcome you into our lives with praise. Here I am, I am that I am. Amen. So Jesus said, now is the judgment of this world. Now, it is. And it is now. <laughs> if you're afraid of judgment, it's just, it's now. You can just be in the now, in the light, and the light itself judges you, transforms you, changes you. And so may the light just judge the hell out of you <laughs> and judge heaven right into you. Another way to say that is believe the gospel. Amen.